This is the best of daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Go to jfbelievers.com for more information. Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus was often heard saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In fact, Scripture is positively full of these and similar calls to attention. Psalms 115 verse 6 says, They have ears, but they don't hear. They have noses, but they don't smell. Jeremiah 5.21 says, Hear this now, foolish people without understanding, who have eyes and don't see, who have ears and don't hear. Ezekiel 3.10 says, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, receive in your heart and hear with your ears all the words that I speak to you. Ezekiel 40, verse 4. The man said to me, Son of man, see with your eyes and hear with your ears and set your heart on all that I have shown you. For you have been brought here so that I may show them to you. Declare all that you see to the house of Israel. Zechariah 7.11 says, But they refused to listen and turned their backs and stopped their ears that they may not hear. Matthew 11.15, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew 13.9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew 13.15, For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are dull of hearing, and they have closed their eyes. Acts 28.27, For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes are closed, lest they should see with their ears and, or eyes and hear with their ears. And there are actually so many more just like this. Now, why would I take the time to go over these passages? Because I I think it is imperative for us to understand that um, it's not just uh, what we are hearing, but are we listening? Are we actually embracing that which we are being taught, that which, which we read, that which the Spirit speaks to us? I mean, it has been now roughly 20 chapters in three years of clear instruction, and Jesus is now asking his apostles that ever so critical question. All, all these guys who were present that day at, at that instruction, and he says to them, do you see these things? The sons of thunder, when asked by Christ, can you drink of the cup that I drink of? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized? They answered him, if you recall, they answered him, we can And when Peter was confronted with his pending betrayal, he quickly responded, Oh, no, not even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. And yet, we know how both of those accounts ended. There was the great Elijah. He hid in a cave. And King David, well, he murdered to cover his sin of adultery. Noah, he stepped off the boat and got drunk. Jonah ran and hid. Adam ate and hid. Judas turned and Judas, excuse me, turned and denied. So we are left asking today, does anyone really see all these things? And if so, what is the secret? Is there a secret? Is this what Christ intended? Is there no way out of this cul-de-sac of despair, this spiritual roundabout? Second Peter Chapter 2, verse 21 says, For it would be better for them to have known the 
than not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. Now Jesus, he will continue in this chapter to speak of what we know of as the last day's events. And I can't help but wonder about his timing. It almost seems as if it is here in this chapter a final plea, maybe a last-ditch effort before the cross. Jesus will begin this teaching with the words, Let no one deceive you. If Jesus felt it necessary to make such an overt warning, then certainly we need to take notice and we need to heed that same warning. Apparently it was and is a very real danger. When we think of one that might deceive us, we are no doubt quickly to picture someone else doing the deceiving, someone else deceiving us. And certainly, yes, that is a very real issue. But most often, gang, the one doing the deceiving of us is us. So how do we wage war against such an overt and dangerous enemy? Well, number one, you need to keep yourself in the love of Jesus. Jude chapter 1 verse 21 says, Keep yourself in God's love, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Keep yourself in God's love. John 15 9 says, Even as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. Keep yourself in God's love. Remain in my love. Now notice that he does not say, Keep loving me. But he says rather, Keep yourself in my love. So we gather then from these verses that there is, um, well, in a way, a definable location, if you will, in which God love, his love abides, and, and that location where we ourselves can apparently move to and away. So where exactly is this place? Well, 1 John 2 verse 5 says, But God's love has most certainly been perfected in whoever keeps his word. This is how we know that we are in him. So it seems our first step away from that special place is a step away from his word. So often we are guilty of feigning a righteous error. You know, we say things like, it was just an accident or I meant to do right. And yes, there certainly are times that that is true, but come on, do we one morning get up and try to make toast in the washing machine? Of course not. The idea behind that, a comment, is to first learn the proper method and then make it a habit, a consistent method. We need to do the same thing, the same way, every day. Devotions and prayer and godly financial decisions, committed marital habits and regular church service and regular church attendance and committed church family fellowship, etc., etc. For leaving... One way or another, that place of love, it begins with compromise. It begins with compromise. Compromise is the catalyst for that love exit. It has always been the catalyst for departure from this church. So our first point, keep yourself in the love of Jesus. Our second one is do not tire of God's work. Galatians 6 Verse 9 says, Let us not be weary in doing good, for we will reap in due season if we don't give up. Now, serving the Lord is not always going to be fun, gang, and it's not always going to be exciting in the worldly sense. 
Often it can be a joy, and often it can be a pain. The truth is, serving the Lord is work. And it's easy to find excuses to let our service slide, such as telling ourselves that, well, we're too busy, etc. But generally, we don't do that when it comes to our secular jobs, do we? Well, we don't because we know there'll be dire consequences for that kind of action. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Tim Dodson and Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com. Music